Oh. Bass. Ten females to each male. Everybody, welcome back to the Lucky Doll Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. Today we are discussing Dr. Strangelove, or how I learned to stop worrying and the love bomb, more commonly known as Dr. Strangelove 1964. It, Dr. Strangelove is a black comedy film that satirizes the Cold War fears of nuclear conflict between the Soviet Union and the United States. This film was directed, produced, and co-written by Stanley Kubrick. It stars Peter Sellers, George C. Scott, Sterling Hayden, and Slim Pickings. So I've uh, I'm not exactly a a, Kub- a major Kubrickian fan. I I very much like a lot of the films that he puts out, and so um, one of my favorite films of his is 2001: Space Odyssey, and I definitely enjoy a lot of his other. Uh, films that he's he's been come to known as uh the director of uh, you know major movies such as uh like Spartacus he's responsible for creating full metal or directing full metal jacket the shining Barry Lyndon clockwork orange lolita spartacus i mean he the killing he's done tons of memorable pieces of media and this is just one of them of course that uh, I wanted to go back and kind of do a little bit of a kind of a retro review of you know Dr. Strangelove I honestly had no idea uh, about the cultural influences of this movie what it was even about like I was uh, very much in the dark about uh, this movie in regards to the rest of his movies like I knew the uh, you know eyes wide shuts a little bit about infidelity 2001 is about AI um, full metal jacket is uh, military um, and all of those are very you know loosely based themes but I had no idea what uh, Dr. Strangelove was and so you know picking out this uh, PG hour 35 minute movie uh, happens to be in black and white, uh, ba- you know, released in 1964. I was, I, I'll admit, I was a little bit skeptical, but I knew that having Stanley Kubrick behind the camera and Terry Southern, Peter George, uh, Peter George's book, um, this which is based off of uh, the book Red Alert, and Terry Southern is uh, on this as well as a another writer to add some punch-up comedy chops. Now, the thing about this movie is, um, you know, why is it held in such high regards as uh, a Stanley Kubrick movie and a piece of cinema? Well, it's my understanding that this movie is, um, it is ahead of its time. It's a movie that uh, takes on uh, a satire of, discussing about nuclear holocaust and you know the people that are actually 
in charge of choosing these major decisions that could result in the loss or the loss of millions and millions of lives. And so Kubrick what seems what it seems to have been portraying on screen is he kind of wanted to poke fun at it. When originally he was creating this movie and writing it, he was not writing it too much for the comedy. He was writing it much more for the the messaging of it, which is something I always find interesting for Kubrick um, to do. I think that this movie has a very strong message when it comes to kind of poking fun at the people that are most responsible for pulling some of the most important triggers in you know our, in our lives. Um, it kind of showing the ridiculousness of it of it all as well. Um, this movie also stars uh, Tracy Reed as uh, Miss Scott and a young James Earl Jones, um, which I believe it's actually his first movie, um, first feature. And so everyone knows, well, if you're a film fanatic, if you're a movie buff, buff you know that Stanley Kubrick was incredibly meticulous there are probably a thousand facts that you can go behind the scenes to find out about this movie. Just the meticulous uh, details that Stanley Kubrick went with, uh, you know, creating warcrafts, uh, sorry, air, aircrafts and war rooms, and uh, just creating this illusion of uh, you really being uh, at these you know three main locations which for the majority of the movie you are at a military base you're in a war room or you're following uh, uh, I think it's a B-20 something I don't remember what it was a B-22 a B-52 bomber which is a, a um, uh, an airplane back in the day that used to you know drop drop mega bombs mega nuclear bombs uh so, starting this movie out, actually, the, the majority of the movie, I had no idea one of the main characters, uh, main actors, Peter Sellers, I, I, I guess, I, I don't know if this is a spoiler alert or not, because I really didn't know about this at first, I, maybe I'll push this to the side, but Peter Sellers is pulling an amazing performance uh, as as his character, I, I'm... I'll push what I what I really mean to the spoiler section, but Peter Sellers is amazing in this. George C. Scott as uh, Jen Buck Turdison. Um, that guy had me rolling throughout the entire movie. I think something about this movie that really stands out, not only is the, the cinematography really um, beautiful, um, the black and white is exceptionally sharp on this. Um, I... I think this is some of the best camera work I've seen in early movie making history and acting as well. The, the, the performance that George C. Scott puts on, apparently he had the background of, he had everyone on set just rolling laughing like everybody couldn't keep it together. So apparently they had to do these takes so many times. Um, one thing that I, that we know about, Stanley Kubrick is he's notorious for kind of like fucking with the actors and whatnot. And so apparently he told um, Slim Pickens uh, as a uh, Maj King Kong that 
he wasn't even in a comedy that he was he thinks he's in a real uh, war film or something like that and so i thought it was interesting that he's telling all of these different characters you know kind you know stanley kubrick is kind of giving all of these different directions from many different people now before i go any further i will say there's no way i'm going to be able to cover all of the minor details in this movie even down to the messaging so uh, i might have to add it in the show notes i will refer uh the unspooled podcast with uh paul Shear and uh amy nichols i think her name is and uh Bald Move also has a good uh, conversation on their podcast for um, uh, a Doctor Strange Love movie review. So those are two great movie reviews that kind of cover the behind the scenes a little bit more and might talk a little bit more about the the messaging of this movie. I'm going to try to talk more or less about the, uh, the technicals of this movie and how this is way more of a technical achievement than I had ever thought that this was going to be um, initially starting out. And so, um, yes, all of the performances in this are extremely well cast and well directed. They're clearly, I'm, I'm not uh, completely hearsed in Peter Sellers as an actor. I know that he's uh, generally a, a comedic actor and he's been one known as one of the greatest com- comedic actors of all times. Uh, he's been in being there. He was in the Pink Panther. He's known as uh, he was uh, like Inspector Jacques Clouseau. Um, you know he's been in movies such as The Prisoner. Um, he's been in uh, Murder by Death. He's been in a, a lot of different movies that uh, honestly I'm kind of in the dark in at the moment. And uh, I, I, you know, this is the type of movie that you want to go back and rewatch and you know check out other people's filmography like George C Scott literally had me rolling on on the ground like I was I was laughing uh like laughing loud and I don't remember too many movies uh you know this early before the 70s that I was really busting the gut laughing laughing and it's interesting how this movie is written it feels almost modern day in a way so uh, with you know a slight over you know hyper masculine feel to it because yes this movie does have its cons with regards to maybe how they treat the women characters although because it is satire it's almost like just kind of poking at it there's this over uh, sensualization throughout the entire movie of sexuality you know there's this sexuality overtone of you know women want my essence and stuff like that and it's um. It's not something I'm comfortable in exploring in this podcast too in depth, but apparently there's just like tons of phallic imagery in this as well. Uh, like the B-52 apparently is like uh, supposed to look like a massive, you know, throbbing boner or something like that. Um, but there is a lot of uh, sensual uh, writing in this as well. They, they kind of equate the the ex- the inevitable explosion that you're waiting for uh in the same way they kind of talk about like sex and so uh let me see what else we got right here so yes uh let me uh go to the 
pros and cons for Dr. Strangelove. So yes, the cinematography, some of the cinematography in this is absolutely stunning. The war room is iconic. The final, one of the final image, images of uh, seeing the missiles, um, before, you know, I'm not going to go into spoilers yet, but one of the final images is uh, ultimately iconic and has been parodied over and over and over. Um, there was actually a major rewrite at the very end, or there's a screen, uh, a scene that is supposed to happen that actually doesn't happen. Um, might talk about it in the spoilers here in a little bit. Um, acting amazing. The cons, the cons might be come might come from the the ending for some people. I've heard some people want to kind of rejigger the ending a little bit. Not like they want to completely change the movie, but maybe the editing in the very end could have been uh, rearranged so it makes more slightly more narrative sense. I do think the women's roles in this movie were extremely underserved but considering how much image imagery and you know you know phallic imagery there is and sensual uh, uh, writing there is in the movie with regards to how they discuss women and whatnot obviously in some ways it's supposed to be just uh you know poking fun and at at the idea of uh, maybe like infidelity or something like that or in, uh, being in a non-monogamous relationship or something like that However, it's definitely got notions of uh, like hyper-masculinity in a way. Um, but it's not necessarily a con. And, you know, I, I don't want people to, to listen to this and be like, oh shit, he didn't like the movie. No, that's not, that's not true. And yes, I understand that uh, you know, there weren't tons of uh, women soldiers at the time and they definitely weren't in the war room. So there's very few and far opportunities to have, you know, major roles for them, although I do think, you know, the, the one that we had uh, was, was very good for the, the limited screen time she's in there, um, as um, Tracy Reed as Miss Scott. And so, that's, uh, that's about it I can talk about in spoiler-free section. I will say, if you are interested in Doctor Strange Love at all, or Stanley Kubrick, absolutely go back and check this movie out. It's not a movie that you're gonna, uh, you know, fall asleep in or something like that, or if you're gonna, you're gonna find boring. Or I, I feel like there might be some sort of notion that, or maybe stigma that, the uh, movies made back in the day just are not nearly as interesting and they don't have the pacing like today's movies do, and. That's certainly true in some situations, but uh, Stanley Kubrick continues to impress me, especially with his earlier filmography, such as Dr. Strangelove, just with regards of the, the camera work, simply uh, just creating an interesting movie. And what I hear is this might be his only true comedy. I don't, I don't know if he's really written anything this funny or directed anything as funny as Dr. Strangelove. Um, just the characters, they're so rich. Um, the, you know, the design of the movie, I love the, you know, the titling and everything. And uh, just the overall nature of the, the kind of uh, playful nature they have of this movie. Which is something I just was not expecting. Um, so yes, check out Dr. Strange Love. Let me know what you thought about it. Let's hop into the spoiler section. And so, now we are in the spoiler section of Dr. Strangelove, or How We Learned to Stop Worrying, and The Love Bomb. Um, we know what happens at the very end of this movie. Uh, 
the B-52 happens to get to his target and drops drops the nuke, thus starting what I guess is going to be the nuclear holocaust. And it's Dr. Strangelove's, uh, you know, idea or... it. The, basically what they want to do is go under... in these bunkers, have 10 to one, 10 women to one man ratios have basically a restart of the you know the planet it is this big long kind of i don't want to say conspiracy but it's an elaborate plan that is happening under the the watch of strange love and honestly the 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 one con i would say i, I really had with some of the uh, the hamminess of the performances is that it was I know that it's supposed to be satire and you're supposed to have this, you know, hilarious time, but there is really this kind of dark layer underneath it with with regards to talking about, uh, you know, politicians and them having the ability to, you know, turn on the doomsday machine, thus, you know, ending many, many lives. And so, yes, I did want to talk about Peter Sellers as uh, uh, Captain Mandrake, President uh, Merkin Muffley, and Dr. Strangelove. The entire time I was watching this, I had no idea that that was the same character. I think that it's kind of important that if, you know, you're someone like me that is, uh, uh, that was not born for 40 years later after this movie um, was released, you know, you probably wouldn't know this. And even with some of the most iconic imagery, such as Slim Pickens riding the missile down, uh, like, that would, uh, that's iconic imagery that you, that is, you know, replayed and shown over and over. However, the fact that Peter Sellers plays all three of these characters and has a distinct accent and, 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 it really engrosses himself in the character. It's quite amazing to me, personally. I thought this was some of the best acting I've seen um, in a very long time with regards of the movie being this early. So, um, I was absolutely blown away. He had me he had me cracking up so many times uh, as Mandrake and Merkin Muffley. And Dr. Strangelove is uh, an enjoyable character to just kind of watch, but I do kind of feel like he kind of... Uh, plays it up a little bit and, and so uh, I I I had some mixed feelings with the way that you know his hand was going in the Nazi salute and, and the Heil Hitler kind of thing and he just couldn't control himself um, I thought that was a little bit over you know over the edge but I guess because you hear the ridiculousness of the nature of uh, what's going on in this war room? I guess that you know makes sense. And unspooled uh, podcast does confirm that that apparently having this there's apparently there is a disease where <laughs> your hand or your arm can be doing some other things outside of what your body tells it to do, which is crazy, insane to think about. Um, let me see. Okay, so George C. Scott is General Buck Turdison. Um, I, I, he's my, probably one of my favorite supporting actors in this. I guess he is like the main supporting actor besides Sterling Hayden. Um, Sterling Hayden's almost, he's not quite 
you might call him a misogynist just in the way that he kind of talks about women taking his essence and him drinking distilled water and all this bullshit. It's like this guy has clearly lost his shit and he's um, apparently the the actor was going through some real shit when he was um, playing playing this character and you can tell this guy is a, you know a veteran actor. I haven't seen him in terribly too many things. He's best known for being in Doctor Strange Love and he was also in uh The Killing and The Godfather. Um amazing actor. The camera choices they use on uh Jack the Ripper, uh Jack D Ripper are intense. I think this is uh like I said, some of the best framing I've seen in uh earlier movies in a very long time. The cinematographer on this was uh, Gilbert Taylor, who was also the cinematographer for Star Wars, Flash Gordon, and The Omen 76. Um, I had no idea this was the same uh, cinematographer as all that. He's, he's got a quite, a, quite a resume. Let me see if there's anything. He also did Dracula as well. So yeah, he did Star Wars A New Hope. Um... I guess he was the only, that was the only Star Wars he actually worked on. Um, interesting. So, uh, let me see. I kind of forgot who was the, the cinematographer for 2001. I gotta check that real quick. Um, cinematographer is Godfrey Unsworth. Oh, okay. So, yeah, and, and that was the same cinematographer for, um, Cabaret, Superman, and I don't see, was that Murder on the Orient? Um, nope, that wasn't a Kubrick one. Um, but yeah, so let me see what else we got for this movie. Alright, let's uh, kind of go down the list. The intro credits, very stylish, big and bold, and it really sets the tone of the satire of what we're about to watch. Um, it kind of, if this was someone announcing it, you know, it'd be Dr. Strange Love. You know, it's, it, it looks very uh, big and bold. Um, there's also like this warning at the very beginning of the movie. I think that says like, this is satire. Don't take this seriously. Don't have a riot. Um, I'm, I'm very curious to see how people were taking this movie back in the day. I'm, I wonder if I can talk to somebody that might know. Um, Jack D. Ripper chewing the hell on the script. The script. Speaking of chewing, uh, he's got that big ass phallic cigar apparently that he just keeps in his mouth, and gum was constantly all in the war room uh, to keep people from smoking. I didn't even think about that. Um, which did nobody smoke in the war room? I can't even remember. Um, the airplane is obviously uh, miniatures and scales and. Uh, some very interesting information with regards of the, how Kubrick was uh, trying to match the B-52 bomber scale to make it look like it was actually flying. Uh, you know, it does look like a scale, but it kind of adds to the point of it being satire, which I liked. Um, let's see. I love the attire of Mrs. Scott. Uh, let me see. They, Jack D. Ripper, I believe, is talking about the kami and what they are or what they look like. I was thinking how stressful this could be and anxiety-inducing. I mean, some of the stuff that Jack D. Ripper is uh, 
is actually reciting is is kind of like oh my lanta um it, it feels like stuff that military generals and people that are having to deal with this kind of uh you know military lifestyle day to day you actually would you know develop some sort of craziness or anxiety just constantly being in that environment um you know he's talking about shoot first questions later uh the camera pushing in on the switches is pro uh, it's probably one of the first times I've uh, it's been shown on screen. I love how uh, you know every time the B fifty two has all these little buttons and little switches and knobs and dings and dongs that I gotta that gotta be switched on and flipped and whatever else. I love how he's just pushing in every time that it's switched. It you know the uh, camera pans in on it and you know kind of zooms in pretty fast i think this is some of the best camera work like i've said something i've seen in a very long time in a movie this early the small radio that they show in this for 1964 i thought that was pretty cool i, I was very surprised about how modern some of the tech actually did look i think they had like a small hidden camera small radio small uh you know a lot of things were scaled to the size they are today that I was kind of surprised. Uh, the low shot of Ripper, uh, I think talking about when the women are trying to take my essence and they want my, you know, fluids and they want my energy and they want to, they want to take me down. Uh, <laughs> and it definitely couldn't be, but I, are you supposed to drink distilled water? I, I don't like think that's good for you. Is it? Um, but anyways, I that framing of the shot of Ripper just like, you know, smoking the hell out of this cigar and just, you know, kind of going into this crazy madman era is uh, it's it, it's it's a really powerful scene um, when they're talking about General Turdison. It's like, Jesus, oh, my gosh, like that <laughs> ridiculous. Um, I loved some uh, slim pickings. I think there's at one point he's like announcing this list of like you know we need a we need a m42s we need the ak-37s we need the b-52s we need the condoms we need the food we need the beer we need the oh a fella could have a good time in vegas with all this and so uh, i was like oh you know this is this is pretty funny like this is uh, like modern day uh, writing that is it's kind of deadpan in a way but it's uh, it's my kind of humor honestly and the Dimitri conversation holy shit that you know uh, this is when Mufflin Merkler Merk, President Mufflin Murky or whatever the hell his name is is uh, going off it's uh, let me see if I can uh, find his fucking name what, what the hell is his name Mufflin Merk Murfin, General, no, sorry, President Merkin Muffley, which apparently means like a, a, a pussy hat or something like that. I, I don't even know what the, a pussy wig or something. I don't know. But apparently the president is supposed to be perceived as kind of a pushover. And what I think the Unspooled podcast said that his direction was, you know, as that, as Muffley was to be kind of like a, 
overly zealous or uh, serious teacher. And that's exactly what he kind of plays it as. And I, I, I thinking about the movie makes me want to go back and rewatch it just for the for the types of performances they were really trying to get out of each other. Um, I think he talks about like being poisoned by fluoride or something like that. Like, was it Russia or something? I don't know. That's a ripper. Uh, and there's one scene where Turdison falls after making kind of like this, you know, little spe- impassioned speech to the president. And apparently that was completely improvised. Like he didn't mean to actually fall and they kept it in there. And there's little signs that, you know, he starts laughing in the back, but apparently Kubrick kept it in, in, in the final cut. Um, I was very surprised Jack kills himself. I was like, holy shit. Uh, but as soon as he walked in there, I was like, this guy is no long. He's not He's not ready for it. He's, he doesn't want to face the music. The sound effects and the sound design in this movie are pretty damn good for 64. I don't know if they went back and did kind of a revamp on the, uh, on the cut I got, but very impressed. I mean, it actually feels like you're inside the cockpit of a B-52. Um... And I don't remember if I... I don't know if I mentioned this in the spoiler-free part of the uh, podcast, but apparently they recreated that B-52 from a model... uh, from a picture um, of a B-52 because apparently the the army did not want to have anything to do with this movie. Um, And after this movie was released, they actually went back and started... The United States government said they they increased their security protocol after they saw this movie. It's like, what? This movie, this satire movie made y'all go back and, uh, you know, rethink the chances of what if we had a crazy general that, you know, sent a, a bombing plane out and they couldn't get the bombing plane back in time? Like, this wasn't already a protocol? It's like kind of scary to think about that. Now, in a way, this movie can be looked at as, you know, uh, not anti-propaganda, but, uh, you know, movies that are very much in this scrutinizing of uh, American wars. And it's interesting how this can be still applied to today because, I mean, war seems to be something that, you know, happens ongoingly regardless of where you are or what time you seem to be living in um i had a flashback uh to the nuke falling scene with the guy riding it uh with, sorry with the guy riding with slim pickens riding it um i don't remember exactly the first time i've seen this i probably have seen it parody there's probably i've you know slim pickens was on commercials i've i've heard that they've tried to really milk this scene for what it's worth, I don't remember the first time I saw it, but as soon as he's straddling the uh, hi there and dear John uh, nukes, I knew that it was done. I, I just knew that uh, he was he was long gone. And, and if you think about it, I'm pretty sure if that nuke went down, that entire plane is gone. Like, there is nothing left. So, it... it, it and it... At the end, I guess what they're implying is that nuclear 
war has begun. And the original scene that was cut from the ending was uh, apparently this massive pie fight with all of these guy and guys in the war room. Um, just kind of looking ridiculous. And in a way, I'm really glad they decided not to do it because Bald Move says that uh, the podcast, Bald Move podcast said that uh, they dug up some information regarding that Kubrick would not find that satirical. He would find that parody, which I think is very important when creating this movie. Um, overall, this movie is extremely quotable. It's funny as hell. An overall interesting piece of satire cinema with a strong cast and script regarding nuclear holocausts. Mind blown. Me. I am mind blown about Peter Sellers' performance. Um, especially his performance as... Uh, what's his name? Kaloon... Uh, Mandrake, I think his performance as Mandrake is, is one of the best. Just his rapport with uh, Jack D. Ripper is it, it's just hilarious. I don't I don't really know much much better to say it. There's also kind of uh, interesting, not so subtle product placement with uh, talking about the Coca Cola machine and you know if I, if you fuck this up, you're gonna have to go talk to the Coca-Cola company or something. You're going to have to go report to the Coca-Cola company. And uh, I, I thought the, the delivery of that is just hilarious. I, I don't know. this. Um, somehow they're just shameless about it. Um, and there wasn't too much. Like fucking Sonic Hedgehog had like 20 different product placements and they were not shameless. They were shameless about it. So yeah, we find out Strange Love was a lion ass Nazi. Uh, Peter Bull was actually uh, a Russian spy. And uh, overall, this movie it still stands up as one of the most uh, dynamic pieces of cinema with some of the most interesting uh, character actors uh, that they could choose. It's got a great direction, and Kubrick continues to blow my mind. Um, let me see if I can find some fun facts that I haven't already mentioned. Let me see. So, yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, a lot of the stuff you'll hear, I, I don't really want to just repeat everything that you hear from uh, the ending. Uh, Peter Sellers was paid $1 million. 55% of the film's budget? Holy shit. Stanley Kubrick's famous quipped, I got three for the price of six. <laughs> uh, that's what I heard because... Uh, sorry, that's what I read. Because uh, Peter Sellers had to play three different people. And I heard that they wouldn't actually pay for, for him to be there without doing those characters. He was actually supposed to play the Slim Pickens character as well, but... Uh, from what I heard, he injured his leg either through a sprained ankle or uh, uh, broke his leg during the the filming of the nuke scene, falling down. Um, let me see what else we got. This was all happening during the right right around uh, the JFK presidency and what was going on with uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis and whatnot like that. I don't think JFK had actually passed yet. 
Oh, whoops. Yep, he had passed. Uh, JFK passed uh, November 22nd, 1963, the year before this was released. So it actually, pro he probably passed during the pre-production or production stages of, uh, you know, shooting the actual film, unfortunately. Um, let me see what else we got for some fun facts. Um, I don't know if that was a fun fact, but uh, let me see what else we got. Um, Peter Sellers improvised most of his lines. Oh, wow. I did not know that. I guess that's, that's I, this is all IMDb trivia as well. Um, Kubrick did an insane amount of reading for this. It says he did, he read nearly 50 books about nuclear war. Holy bejesus. George C. Scott was reputedly annoyed, repeatedly annoyed that Stanley Kubrick was pushing him to overact for his role. While he vowed to never work with Kubrick again, Scott eventually saw this as one of his favorite performances. Yeah, honestly, I, I really like George C. Scott's uh, uh, performance in this. He's just, he's, you know, he, he's almost theatrically ridiculous. Um, let's see. There's a great deal of editing and cutaway shots in the sequence where Dr. Strangelove gets carried away in the war room and is out of control. Right hand makes Nazi salutes and tries to strangle him, mainly to cover up the cast around him crackling up with laughter. <laughs> Despite this, Peter Bull, playing Soviet Ambassador Dasaski, Dasansky, Sasky, whatever the fuck, can be glimpsed trying to suppress his laughter. Wow. Yeah, so what I heard was everybody on the set was just freaking cracking up. Um, and Strangelove's glove, oh, this is, Dr. Strangelove's glove is from Stanley Kubrick's personal collection. Peter Sellers had seen Kubrick wearing them handle hot, while Peter Sellers had seen Kubrick wearing them to handle hot lights on the set, and they thought they looked sinister. He wore one on his right hand, the one not under his control, to add to uh, strangeless eeriness. So yeah, I actually had heard that they were adjusting lights with that glove, and they're like, "We need that glove for the film." I always find it very interesting to find these, you know, hidden gems about uh, movies that are uh, very fascinating, like. Stuff that's never written in the script, like the glove, like that—that's amazing that that's in there. Um, I tell you what, really takes uh, takes the cake is the toys that made us on Netflix is a great show that kind of shows how a lot of major media, such as like Star Wars and uh, uh, popular '80s media that happen to have toys with. Uh, involved in it, how that was influenced, the toys influenced what they put on the screen. And so I always find it, you know, fascinating when they find some sort of hidden element on set or, you know, while they're writing the script or very close to the end of the making of the production when they say, oh yes, we need to add that. And it happens to be that one or two things, um, you know, uh, really enhance the movie. I think another one I can think of uh, uh, would be Heath Ledger kind of adding the improvised uh, 
I think it was like a, like a lip, like he's like licking his lips a little bit in The Dark Knight. And I'm pretty sure that was improvised as well. Don't take my word for it. But there's, you know, s- several things that actors bring to their roles that can never be stated enough. And so it's, you know, things like that are, that are always fun to find. But yeah, thank you for listening, watching Doctor Strange Love. Um, maybe if, if, what do you want to talk about the, the title of the film? Uh, you know, he, he stopped worrying about the love bomb and just, you know, said, said let it ride. <laughs> I mean, uh, Jack D. Ripper fucking lost his mind, basically. And uh, that, that, you know, that's... That's pretty much the essential key. I mean, if anyone has a better interpretation of it, then, you know, please let me know down below. Um, I'm always open to hear new uh, opinions on the film. I, I might have a different opinion on it as soon as I rewatch it again or even listen to a couple other podcasts about it and just learn about it. But uh, all these performances, all of the... Uh, all of the good things about this movie cannot be understated enough. And if you are interested in cinema, you need to watch it as well. So thank you for watching Dr. Strange Love or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and The Love Bomb. For additional Lucky Dog podcasts, you can check out Google Play, Apple iTunes, SoundCloud, Overcast, YouTube, Twitch. We're on uh, all of the popular uh, podcast apps, Facebook, uh, Twitter, all of the good stuff. Um, if you want to hop in the chat room, go on to uh, Discord. Uh, the Discord link is down below as well. We could not do this podcast without your support. Thank you for helping us You know, expand, grow, share the podcast. And um, like I said, as always, you know, check... YouTube if you want to get these podcasts early. I typically drop podcasts uh, weekly on Tuesday, and I might have some new releases at the end of the week. But generally, um, if you subscribe, you should get everything on uh, Tuesdays. And uh, YouTube is available instantly. So if you're like, oh my gosh, I can't wait for the next adult podcast. So go to YouTube, check it out. Lug it all podcast. That's where you'll find us. Thank you for listening to Lug it all podcast and take it easy. Has that plane really got a chance of getting through? Well, uh, sir, uh, if the pilot's good, see, I mean, I mean, if he's really sharp. He can barrel that baby in solo. I mean, <laughs> you ought to see it sometime. It's a sight, you. A big plane like a 52. Vroom! It's jet exhaust. Frying chickens in the barn. Dr. Strange Love. Or how I learned to stop worrying and... Love the bomb. A moving <laughs> picture.